Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Chapter 10. Halloween. Malfoy couldn't believe his eyes when he saw that Harry and Ron were still at Hogwarts the next day, looking tired but perfectly cheerful. Indeed, by the next morning, Harry and Ron thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been an excellent adventure. They were quite keen to have another one. In the meantime, Harry filled Ron in about the package that seemed to have been moved from Gringotts to Hogwarts, and they spent a lot of time wondering what could possibly need such heavy protection. Either it's really valuable or really dangerous, said Ron, or both, said Harry. But as they knew for sure about the mysterious object was that it was about two inches long, they didn't have much chance of guessing what it was without further clues. Neither Neville nor Hermione showed the slightest interest in what lay underneath the dog and the trapdoor. All Neville cared about was never going near that dog again. Hermione was now refusing to speak to Harry and Ron, but she was such a bossy know-it-all that they saw it as an added bonus. All they really wanted now was a way of getting back at Malfoy, and to their great delight, just a thing arrived in the mail about a week later. As the owl flooded into the great hall as usual, everyone's attention was caught at once by a long, thin package carried by six large screech owls. Harry was just as interested as everyone else to see what was in this large parcel and was amazed when the owl soared down and dropped it right in front of him, knocking his bacon to the floor. They had hardly fluttered out of the way when another owl dropped a letter on top of the parcel. Harry ripped open the letter first, which was lucky because it said, Do not open the parcel at the table. It contains your new Nimbus 2000. But I don't want everybody knowing that you've got a broomstick or they'll all want one. Oliver Wood will meet you tonight at the Quidditch field at 7 o'clock for your first training lesson. Professor McGonagall. Harry had difficulty hiding his glee as he handed the note to Ron to read. A Nimbus 2000! Ron moaned enviously. I've never even touched one. They left the hall quickly wanting to unwrap the broomstick in private before their first class. But halfway across the entrance hall, they were they found their way upstairs, bared by Crab and Goyle. Malfoy seized the package from Harry and felt it. That's a broomstick, he said, throwing it back to Harry with a mixture of jealousy and spite on his face. You'll be in for this, Potter. First years aren't allowed them. Harry, Ron couldn't resist. It's not any old broomstick, he said. It's a Nimbus 2000. What did you say you got home, Malfoy? A Comet 260? Ron grinned at Harry. Comets look flashy, but they're not in the same league as a Nimbus. What would you know about it, Weasley? You couldn't afford half the handle. Malfoy snapped back. I suppose you and your brothers are here to save up twig by twig. Before Ron could answer, Professor Flitwick appeared at Malfoy's elbow. 
Not arguing, I hope, my boys, he squeaked. Potter's been sent to broomstick, Professor, Malfoy said quickly. Yes, yes, that's right, said Professor Flitwick, beaming at Harry. Professor McGonagall told me all about the special circumstances. Potter, and what model is it? A Nimbus 2000, sir, said Harry, fighting not to laugh at the look of horror on Malfoy's face. And it's really thanks to Malfoy here that I've got it, he added. Harry and Ron headed upstairs, smothering their laughter at Malfoy's obvious rage and confusion. Well, it's true, Harry chortled, as they reached at the top of the marble staircase. If he hadn't stole Neville's remember-all, I would be on the team. So, I suppose you think that's a reward for breaking rules? Came an angry voice just behind them. Hermione was stomping up the stairs, looking disapprovingly at the package in Harry's hand. I thought you weren't speaking to us, said Harry. Yes, don't stop now, said Ron. It's doing as much good. Hermione marched away with her nose in the air. Harry had a lot of trouble keeping his mind on his lessons that day. It kept wandering up to the dormitory where his new broomstick was lying under the bed or straying off to the Quidditch field where he'd be learning to play that night. He bolted his dinner that night without noticing what he was eating and rushed upstairs with Ron to unwrap Nimbus 2000 at last. Wow. Ron sighed as the broomstick rolled onto Harry's bedspread. Even Harry, who knew nothing about the different brooms, thought it looked wonderful. Sleek and shiny with a mahogany handle. It had a long tail of neat straight twigs. And the Nimbus 2000 written in gold near the top. As seven o'clock drew nearer, Harry left the castle and set off in the dusk toward the Quidditch field. He'd never been inside the stadium before. Hundreds of seats were raised in stands around the field so that the spectators were high enough to see what was going on. At either end of the field, three golden pools, hoops on the end, the hoops on the end. They reminded Harry of the little plastic sticks muggle children blew bubbles through, except that they were 50 feet high. Too eager to fly, again to wait for food, Harry mounted his broomstick and kicked off from the ground. What a feeling! He swooped in and out of the goalposts, then sped up and down the field. The Nimbus 2000 turned whenever he wanted at his lightest touch. Hey, Potter, come down! Oliver Wood had arrived. He was carrying a large wooden crate under his arm. Harry landed next to him. Very nice, said Wood, his eyes glinting. I see what Professor McGonagall meant. You really are natural. I'm just going to teach you the rules this evening. Then you'll be joining the team practice three times a week. He opened the crate. Inside were four different sized balls. Right, said Wood. Now, Quidditch is easy enough to understand, even if it's not easy enough to play. There are seven players on each side. Three of them are called chasers. Three chasers, Harry repeated as, Bur- as Wood took out a bright red ball about the size of a soccer ball. This ball is called the quaffle, said Wood. 
The chasers throw the quaffle to each other and try to get it through one of the hoops to score a goal. Ten points every time the quaffle goes through one of the hoops. Follow me. The chasers throw the quaffle and put it into the hoops to score, Harry said. So, that's sort of like basketball and broomsticks with six hoops, isn't it? What's basketball? said Wood curiously. Never mind, said Harry quickly. Now, there's another player on each side who's called the keeper. I am keeper for Gryffindor. I have to fly around our hopes and stop the other team from scoring. Three chasers, one keeper, said Harry, who was determined to remember it all. And they play with the quaffle. Okay, got that. So what are they for? He pointed at the three balls left inside the box. I'll show you now, said Wood. Take this. He handed Harry a small club, a bit like a short baseball bat. I'm going to show you what the bludgers do, said Wood. These two are the bludgers. He showed Harry two identical balls, jet black with slight and slightly smaller than the real clockful. Harry noticed that they seemed to be straining to escape the straps holding them inside the box. Stand back, would warn Harry. He bent down and freed one of the bludgers. At once, the black ball rose high in the air and pelted straight at Harry's face. Harry swung at it with the bat to stop it from breaking his nose and sent it zigzagging away into the air. Zoomed around their heads and then shot at Wood, who dived on top of it and managed to pin it to the ground. See, Wood panted, forcing the struggling bludger back into the crate and strapping it down safely. The bludgers rocket around, trying to knock the players off their brooms. That's why you have two beaters on each team. The Weasley twins are ours. Their job is to protect their side from the bludgers, you, and try to knock them toward the other team. So, think you've got that all? Three chasers try to score with the waffle. The keeper guards the goalpost, and the beaters keep the bludgers away from their team. Harry reeled off. Very good, said Wood. Uh, have bludgers ever killed every anyone? He asked, hoping he sounded offhand. Never at Hogwarts. We had a couple of broken jaws, but nothing worse than that. Now, the last member of the team is the Seeker. And that's you. And you don't have to worry about the Quaffle or the Blurders. Unless they crack my head open. Don't worry, the Weasleysons are more than a match for the Blurders. I mean, they're like a pair of human Blurders themselves. Wood reached into the crate and took out the fore and last ball. Compared with the quaffle and the bludgers, it was tiny, about the size of a large walnut. It was bright gold and had little fluttering silver wings. This, said Wood, is the golden snitch, and it's the most important ball of the lot. It's very hard to catch because it's so fast and difficult to see. It's the seeker's job to catch it. We've got to weave in and out of the chasers, beaters, bludgers, and quaffle to get it before the other team's seeker because whichever seeker catches the snitch wins his team an extra 150 points. So they nearly always win.
That's why seekers get fouled so much. The game of Quidditch only ends when the snitch is caught. So it can go on for ages. I think the record is three months. They had to keep bringing on substitutes so that the players would get some sleep. Well, that's it. Any questions? Harry shook his head. He understood what he had to do, all right. It was doing it that was going to be a problem. We won't practice with the snitch yet, said Wood, carefully shutting it back inside the crate. It's too dark. We might lose it. Let's try you out with a few of these. He pulled a bag of ordinary golf balls out of his pocket, and a few minutes later, he and Harry were up in the air, withdrawing the golf ball as hard as he can and in every direction for Harry to catch. Harry didn't miss a single one, and Wood was delighted. After half an hour, night had nearly fallen, and they could not carry on. That Quidditch cop will have our name this year, said Wood happily, as he trudged back up the castle. I wouldn't be surprised if he turned out better than Charlie Weasley. He could have, and he could have played for England if he hadn't gone off chasing dragons. Perhaps... It was because he was now so busy, what with Quidditch practice three evenings a week on top of all his homework, but Harry could hardly believe when he realized that he'd already been at Hogwarts two months. The castle felt more like home than Fripert Drive ever had. His lessons, too, were becoming more and more interesting now that they'd mastered the basics. On following Halloween morning, they woke up to the delicious smell of baking pumpkin wafting down the corridors. Even better, Professor Flitwick announced in charms that he thought they were ready to start making objects fly, something they had been doing, dying to try since they had seen him making Neville's toad zoom around the classroom. Professor Flitwick put the class into pairs to practice. Harry's partner was Seamus Finnegan, which was a relief because Neville had been trying to catch his eye. Ron, however, was going to be working with Hermione Granger, and it was hard to tell whether Ron or Hermione was angrier about this. She hadn't spoken to them since the day Harry's broomstick had arrived. Now, don't forget that nice wrist movement we've been practicing, squeezed, squeaked Professor Flipwick, perched on top of his pile of books as usual. Swish and flick! Remember, swish and flick. And saying the magic words properly is very important too. Never forget Wizard Buffario, who said S instead of F, and found himself on the buffalo with a on the floor with a buffalo on his chest. It was very difficult. Harry and Seamus swished and flicked, but the but the feather they were supposed to be scanning skyward just lay on this desktop. Seaman got so impatient that he prodded it with his wand and set fire to it. Harry had, Harry had to put it out with his hat. Ron, at the next table, was not having any much more luck. Wingardium Leviosa, he shouted, waving his long arms like a windmill. You're saying it wrong, Harry heard from Hermione's map. It's Wingardium Leviosa. Make the gar nice and long. You do it then, if you're so clever, Ron snarled. Hermione rolled up the sleeves of her gown, 
flicked her wand and said, Vingardium Leviosa. Her the, their feather rose off the desk and hovered about four feet above their head. Oh, well done, cried Professor Flitwick, clapping. Everyone see here, Pro Miss Granger has done it. Ron was in a very bad mood at the end of the class. It's no one... It's no wonder no one can stand her, he said to Harry as they pushed their way into a crowded corridor. She's a nightmare, honestly. Somebody knocked into Harry as they pressed past him. It was Hermione. Harry caught a glimpse of her face and was startled to see that she was in tears. I think she heard you. So, said Ron, but he looked a bit uncomfortable. She must have noticed she's got no friends. Hermione didn't turn up for the next class and wasn't seen all afternoon. On their way down to the Great Hall for the Halloween feast, Harry and Ron overheard Poverty Paddle telling her friend Lavender that Hermione was crying in the girls' bathroom and wanted to be left alone. Ron looked still more awkward at this, but a moment later they had entered the Great Hall where the, her where the Halloween decorations put Hermione out of their minds. A thousand live bats fluttered from the walls and ceiling while a thousand more swooped over the tables in low black clouds, making the candles and the pumpkins stutter. The feast appeared suddenly on the golden plates as it had at the start of term banquet. Harry was just helping himself to a baked potato when Professor Quirrell came sprinting into his hall. This his turban askew and terror on his face. Everyone stared as he reached Professor Dumbledore's chair, slumped against the table, and gasped. Draw in the judges! Thought you ought to know. Then he sank to the floor in dead faint. There was an uproar. It took several purple firecracks exploding from the end of the Professor Dumbledore's wand to bring silence. Perfect, he rumbled. Lead to lead your houses back to the dormitories immediately. Percy was in his element. Follow me, stick together. First years, no need to fear of the troll if you follow my orders. Stay close behind me now. Make way, first years coming through. Excuse me, I'm perfect. How could a troll get in? Harry asked as they climbed the stairs. Don't ask me. They're supposed to be really stupid, said Ron. Maybe Peeves let it in for a Halloween joke. They passed different groups of people, hurrying in different directions, as they jostled their way through a crowd of confused Hufflepuffs. Harry suddenly grabbed Ron's arm. I just thought, Hermione, what about her? She does not know about the troll. Ron bit his lip. All right, oh, all right, he snapped, but Percy had better not see us. Decking down, they joined the Hufflepuffs going the other way, slipped down the deserted side corridor, and hurried off toward the girls' bathroom. They had just turned the corner when they heard a quick footsteps behind them. Percy! hissed Ron, pulling Harry behind a large stone griffin. Peering around, they, however, saw not Percy but Snape. He crossed the corridor and disappeared from view. What's he doing? Harry whispered, why isn't he down in the dungeons with the rest of the people? Search me. Quietly as possible, they crept along the next corridor after Snape's fading footsteps. He's heading for the third floor, 
Harry said, but Ron held up his hand. Can you smell something? Harry sniffed, and a foul stench wheezed his nostrils. A mixture of old socks and the kind of public toilet no one seemed to clean. And then they heard it, a low grunting and the shuffling of footfalls of gigantic feast. feet. Ron pointed at the end of the passage to the left. Something huge was moving toward them. They shrank into the shadows and watched as it emerged into a patch of moonlight. It was a horrible sight. Twelve feet tall, its skin was granite gray. Its great lumpy body, like a boulder with its small bowed head, perched on top like a coconut. It has short, thick legs with as thick as tree trunks with flat, horny feet. The smell coming from it was incredible. It was holding a huge wooden club, which it dragged along the floor because its arms were so long. Troll sto- the troll stopped next to the doorway and peered inside. He- it wiggled its long ears, making its tiny mind, then slouched slowly into the room. The key's into the lock, Harry muttered. We could lock it in. Good idea, said Ron nervously. They edged toward the open door, mouth dry, praying that the troll wasn't about to come out of it. With one great leap, Harry managed to grab the key and slam the door and lock it. Yes! Flushed with their victory, they started to run back up the passage. But as they reached the corner, they heard something that made our that made their heart stop. A high, petrified scream. It was coming from the chamber they had just changed up. No, oh no, said Ron, pale as the bloody baron. It's the girl's bathroom, Hermione. It was the last thing they wanted to, but what choice did they have? Wheeling around, they sprinted back to the door and turned the key, fumbling in their panic. Harry pulled the door open and they ran inside. Hermione Granger was shrinking against the wall opposite, looking at the shubas about to faint. The troll advancing on her, knocking the sinks off the walls as it wins. Confuse it, Harry said desperately to Ron, and seizing a tap, he threw it as hard as he could tore against the wall. The troll stopped a few feet from Hermione. It lumbered around, blinking stupidly to see what had made the noise. Its mean little eyes saw Harry. It hesitated, then made for him instead. Lifting his club as it went, Oi, pea brain! yelled Ron from the other side of the chamber and threw a metal pipe at him. The troll didn't even seem to notice the pipe hitting him on the shoulder, but it heard the yell and paused again, turning its ugly snout toward Ron instead, giving Harry to time run around it. Come on, run, run! he yelled at Hermione, trying to pull her toward the door. But she couldn't move. She was still flat against the wall, her mouth open with terror. The shouting and echoes seemed to be drawing the troll berserk. It roared again and started to run, who was the nearest and had no way to escape. Then Harry did something that was both brave and very, very stupid. 
He took a great running jump and managed to fasten his arms around the troll's neck from behind. The, coal, the troll couldn't feel Harry hanging there, but even a troll would notice if he noticed a long bit of wood up its nose. And Harry's wand had still been in his head when he jumped. It had gone straight up one of the troll's nostrils. Howling in pain, the troll twisted and flailed its club, with Harry clinging on for dear life. Any second, the troll was going to rip him off or catch him. A terrible blow with the club. Hermione had sunk to the floor in fright. Ron pulled out his own wand. Not knowing what he was going to do himself, he heard himself cry the first spell that came into his mind. Vingardium Leviosa! The club flew suddenly out of the troll's hand, rose high, high up into the air, and slowly turned over and dropped with a snickening crack onto its owner's head. The troll swayed on the swat and fell flat on his face with a thud that made the whole room tremble. Harry got to his feet. He was shaking and out of breath. Ron was standing there with his wand still raised, staring at what he had done. It was Hermione who spoke first. Is it dead? I don't think so, said Harry. I think it's just been knocked out. He bent down and pulled his wand out of the troll's nose. It was covered in what looked like lumpy gray glue. Ugh, troll boogers. He wiped it on the troll's trousers. A sudden slamming and loud footsteps made the three of them look up. They hadn't realized what the racket they had been making, but of course, someone downstairs must have heard the crashes in the troll's wars. A moment later, Professor McGonagall had come bursting into the room, closely followed by Snape, with Quirrell bringing up the rear. Quirrell took one look at the troll, let out a faint whimper, and sat quickly down the toilet, clutching his heart. Snape bent over the troll. Professor McGonagall was looking at Ron and Harry. Harry had never seen her look so angry. Her lips were white, hopes of winning 50 points for Gryffindor faded very quickly from Harry's mind. What on earth were you thinking of? Professor McGonagall with cold fury in her voice, she said. Harry looked at Ron, who was standing with his wand in the air. You're lucky you weren't killed. Why aren't you in your dormitory? Snape gave Harry a swift, piercing look. Harry looked at the floor. He wished Ron would put down his wand. Then a small voice came out of the shadows. Please, Professor McGonagall, they were looking for me. Miss Granger! Hermione had managed to get to her feet at last. I went looking for the troll because I, I thought I could deal with it on my own, you know, because I read all about them. Harry dropped his wand. Hermione Granger was telling a downright lie to a teacher? If they hadn't found me, I'd be dead by now. Harry took his wand up its nose and Ron knocked it out with his own club. They didn't have time to come fetch anyone. It was about to finish me off when they arrived. Harry and Ron tried to look as though this story was not near them. Well, in that case, persisted Professor McGonagall, staring at the two of them. Miss Granger, you foolish girl, how could you think of tackling a mountain troll on your own? Hermione hung her head. Harry was speechless. 
Hermione was the last person to do anything against the rules, and here she was, pretending she had to get them out of trouble. It was as Snape had started handing out sweets. Miss Granger, five points will be taken from Gryffindor for this, she said. I am very disappointed in you. If you're not hurt at all, you'd better be off to the Gryffindor Tower. Students are finishing the feast in their houses. Hermione left. Professor McGonagall turned to Harry and Ron. Well, I still say you were very lucky, but not many firsters could have taken a full-grown mountain troll. You each win Gryffindor five points. Professor Dumbledore will be a four of this. You may go. They hurried out of the chamber and didn't speak at all till they had climbed two floors up. It was a relief to be away from the smell of the troll, quite apart from anything else. We should have gotten more than ten points. Five, you mean, once she's taken off her minies. Good of her to get it out of trouble like that, Ron admitted. Mind you, we did save her. She might not have needed saving if he hadn't locked the thing in with her, Harry reminded. They had reached the portrait of the fat lady. Pigs now, they said, and entered. The common room was packed and noisy. Everyone was eating the food that had been sent up. Hermione, however, stood alone by the door, waiting for them. There was a very embarrassed pause. Then none of them looking at each other. They all said, thanks, and hurried off to get plates. But from that moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. There are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other, and knocking out a 12-foot mountain troll is one of them.